God sits and he grasps. He takes a hold of you, right? God shouts. Isaiah says, but this image today, ooh, this is the one I love. This is the one that just gets under my skin and I wanna read it to you today. It's from Isaiah chapter 42. Listen to what this prophet says. Yahweh will march out like a mighty man. Like a warrior, he will stir up his zeal. With a shout, he will raise the battle cry and with triumph over his enemies. Now, Kean, for a long time, I have kept silent. I have been quiet and held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out. I gasp. I pant a God who gasps. Isaiah takes this, this, this amazing image of God as a mother. I bet when you pray, you say, dear father. But do you ever think of God as a mother? Maybe not, but Isaiah does. And he calls God, compares God to this mother who is in childbirth, gasping and panting. You ever witness it? Who's witnessed childbirth? I have. Three times in person. There was a lot of gasping and panting. And I'm fascinated by this image, right? There's this whole thing of gasping and panting. Doesn't it like kind of imply, doesn't the image come crashing to mind? This, this, this idea of vulnerability, of struggle, of pain. You know what you will never witness in this world? A woman talking about childbirth like it's no big thing. I dare you to find one. Ladies, come prove me wrong. You will never find someone in this world going, yeah, I got this, you know? Or if they do, it's totally like an alpha female move, right? Where they're kind of trying to show how strong they are over you. No, no, you hear women talk about childbearing, right? It's like, oh my gosh, if you men ever had to do anything, like even remotely like, right? right? You hear, they love sharing the stories afterwards, I found, like guys coming out of combat or stuff, you know, like it, the horror stories, the bigger they get, the more that everyone's like, ooh, ooh, I had 38 days of labor. You, you, you know what I mean? That, that kind of thing, right? Because there's something about this that brings you to the edge when you're there at your most vulnerable, heaving and striving and gasping and panting with everything you've got to bring it through. For a long time, I've kept silent. I have been quiet and held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out. I gasp. I pant. And how much more so in the ancient world where every time a woman found herself gasping and panting in a time like this, she knew very well 
that it may be the end of her life. Oh, I love this image of God, this image of a God who gasps. But let's kind of let's expand it here, all right? Let, let's just kind of take this for a moment and go into a full range, if we, if we can, of, of things that make us gasp. What are the things that make you gasp? What are the things that you witness in gasping? Childbirth, we've just hit. But what else might do it for you? You ever been out of breath? Right? Or you see someone who's just run a race, who's just struggled through something, be it something like a professional thing, like the Olympics, if you will, or an orchestrated thing, or someone just working out where they push themselves, a coach with someone under their care, and you've pushed yourself, and you're going, and you're out of breath. And no one in moments like these keeps their mouth shut and calmly goes through the nose. No, when your heart is beating 160, <sighs> panting panting, struggling, heaving, fighting for every step, finding yourself, pushing yourself to the max. You've been in places like this, right? Or times like this? Or what about its opposite? People who find themselves out of breath, not because of exerting themselves, but because their bodies are just broken. Have you ever witnessed someone with asthma fighting to take a breath, someone with emphysema fighting to take a breath, some of you who have gone through the COVID trail, feeling that strange raspiness of going, why can't I breathe deeply? I'll tell you, whenever I think about gasping, though, you know what comes to mind for me is actually Imagine Dragons. You know the song Radioactive? You, you, you got that? You remember, how the, you remember how this opens? Like, I'm waking up to sweat and rust, and he goes on and talks about something else, right? And, and there's this line. I want to play the opening, like, salvo here for you, okay? This is what I think of when I think of gasping. I'm waking up to ash and dust. I wipe my brow and I sweat my rust. I'm breathing in the chemicals. Gasping, it's that line right there. It's this kind of thing. Can you give me a this morning? God, what makes you? I can't do this again. What makes you? What takes your breath away? What have been those moments? where you stand in awe and surprise and the sheer sight of what's before you, either out of terror or joy, literally leaves you without breath. What are those moments of abject fear that take your breath away? Who's that girl that walks by and you find yourself suddenly without breath and you can't even get words out? I think of people in pain, gasping, gasping and panting. And if you've ever had to stand by the bedside of someone giving their final breath, you know what it means when someone talks about a death rattle. And you hear the final 
exacerbated. <sighs> that never draws breath again. And Isaiah says, God gasps. God is a God who gasps. Let's take this panoply of image and run the gamut and see a bit how it gives us insight, how it may work as a lens to this God who gasps. What does it say in Isaiah 42? For a long time, I have kept silent. I have been quiet and held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out, I gasp and pant. It begs the question, what is God giving birth to? Isaiah writes to ancient Israel in a time of exile, a time of waiting, a time when God had seemed quiet, and yet the uncomfortableness of pregnancy was upon them with a labor and a waiting. And now Isaiah writes to them, it is about to give birth. You are about to be born anew. Born anew, he tells Israel out of exile. You are about to be born anew. God is gasping and heaving to bring you out and give you birth as a new people. No, not for the first time, but a born-again people renewed and recreated. God is gasping, giving birth to his people in exile, crying out. This might be what Micah had in mind in chapter 5 when he gives that amazing Christmas prophecy. You know it, but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, that you are small among the clans of Judah. Out of you will come for me. Out of you. Out of you. Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Listen to what he says next. Therefore, Israel, who has been abandoned, will stay abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth. And he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God and they will dwell securely for his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be their peace, God in labor. Israel in labor. Feeling the pain, the agony, the gasping for breath. But the time is coming, Micah says. When Israel, when God, will birth anew and then my people will again be remade. My people will be free. God, it's an image of God toiling, sweating, struggling. Those of you who are astute might say, wait a minute, I thought you said that God sits. He kicks his feet up and he's rest. Yes, it does. But it's not the only lens that Isaiah gives us to see because he gives another picture as well. A God who has got it all in his control and yet a God who is working and toiling and sweating and heaving for you that God works for you. God is sweating for you. God is gasping for you. What does it mean to know there is a God in heaven who gasps for you? 
that God is struggling for you. Pushing himself to breaking points. Feeling the agony. How could God push himself to breaking points or feeling agony? I don't know, but Isaiah says he does. And I'm inclined to believe him. This image of a God who struggles and fights. A God who labors for you. A picture of a God in pain. A God in pain. Not just over the suffering and brokenness of this world, but a God in pain for you. Not just pain, but labor pain. His body racked. That God is a God who suffers. For you, do you think about God, a God that way as a God who suffers? And a God who suffers for you, Isaiah does. A God who labors and sweats and toils and suffers. Because God is at work, trying to birth something. God is trying to bring something into being. He's trying to bring you into being. And he is striving with every last ounce of energy within him, pushing and heaving and gasping to bring you life, to bring you birth, to bring you hope and a future, as the prophets would say. What does it mean, like a woman in labor, that God makes himself vulnerable? How could God be vulnerable? He's God after all. I don't know, but Isaiah says he does. And I'm inclined to believe him that God risks that God risks himself, that God puts himself at points where you can find him at his weakest and most exposed. Like a woman in the throes of labor. There's a, a writer, an author and preacher named Frederick Beekner, who's written a line that the first time I came across it, it just kind of like embedded in me. I can't shake it to this day, 10 years later. This time of year, this image he gives for God. Let me read it to you. It's from a sermon he wrote called The Face in the Sky. And listen to what he says. For those who believe in God, it means this birth, that God himself is never safe from us. And maybe that is the dark side of Christmas, the terror of the silence. He comes in such a way that we can always turn him down, that God risks your rejection, that God risks your slight that God risks being ignored or brokenhearted, that God risks for you, but that God risks something more. He comes in such a way that we can always turn him down as we could crack the baby's skull like an eggshell or nail him up when he gets too big for that.
Does the image of the Christmas story ever bring with you the idea of God made vulnerable? We talk of God made flesh, but God made vulnerable because that's what it means. At least in part, that's what it implies. That the Lord God of the universe, that in this passage, who describes himself as a mighty warrior, rousing himself with zeal, makes himself most vulnerable. Born an infant. An infant like you or me, not with some supernatural power all around him, like some force field that you can't touch him, to crack the baby's skull that God allows it to be done. Or to nail him up when he gets too big for that. I think of Jesus gasping at his most vulnerable in a manger dependent on humanity. I think of Jesus gasping as a man at his most vulnerable, handed over to humanity, writhing in pain and gasping with agony. I think of Jesus crying out and with a loud gasp, breathing his last I think of Mary gasping in the throes of labor, giving birth to a God who gasps. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. The poet will say, O holy night, O night, divine. It is a picture of a God who is unlike the God of our making. A God of our assumptions and a God of our knee-jerk beliefs. No, a God who struggles, who strives, who works with everything he's got. A God in pain, heaving, gasping. And he does it. He does it for you. This is the God Isaiah invites you to meet. A God who... And a God who gasps in delight, in surprise, and in awe, like a father or a mother, over the one they've brought life to in this world. That God not only gasps to bear you, to redeem you, but to delight in you. Some of you, I fear, do not feel very delighted in. And some of you, I suspect, have never experienced the delight of one that you admire upon you. But God, 
No, God is different. The one who's given you birth. Oh, he delights in you. He gasps in awe and surprise and joy. The God who gasps. <laughs>